1: Okay. Um, As you guys know, uh, my name is Haley. I've been the high school coordinator here since May. Um, So I love my job. This is my dream job. And I'm really excited to be sharing my story with you tonight. Um, My testimony is related to trauma. So buckle up, because it's going to get crazy. Uh, The best definition of trauma that I've heard is from Dana, who actually will be on our panel tonight, and it is this. You guys will see it on the screen, I think. Trauma is any experience that exceeds the ability for the individual to process on their own. The story that I'm gonna share with you, I could not have done on my own. So a little bit about me. I made Jesus the center of my life when I was 14 years old. I was a freshman in high school. My family is full of athletes, and my siblings and I all did sports all growing up. I did high jump, I did pole vaulting, and tennis. I've always been very active. I love the gym, and I love hiking. On June 1st in 2019, my dad and I went on a hike in Cabazon, California. Our goal was to hike to this big, beautiful waterfall. Um, You guys will see a picture of us. This was the day of the hike. That's me and my dad. You can see in the very top right corner, that's the waterfall that we were trying to get to. So super up there, super hidden. It was a big hike. Um, There was no direct trail to the hike, so we trailblazed the entire thing, meaning we made our own trail. And after two to three hours of hiking, we came to a big flat open rock with running water on it. The only way to continue this hike was to cross over the rock. My dad and I did not know that this rock was at the top of a smaller waterfall because we had come up from the side of it. We were nowhere near the edge with no sense of danger. We took caution and realized this rock had a lot of slippery algae on it, so we held hands. As we began crossing over, I slipped. I began sliding down the rock, and my dad didn't let go of me. I didn't, it didn't even cross his mind to let go, so he got pulled down with me. There was nothing to grab onto, no rock, no branch, nothing. In a matter of seconds, I processed what was before me, a drop. We were about to drop over the side of this rock. Everything happened so fast and there was nothing we could do. As the edge approached, I saw how far down the ground was. It was a 40-foot drop. We flew over the edge together and plummeted to the unknown beneath us. Everything was silent for me as we were free falling. My mind was blank. I wasn't thinking of anything except this very moment. I knew this was gonna be bad and I could do nothing to change what was about to happen and neither could my dad and I thought I was going to die. I saw the ground come closer and closer, and it was all rocks beneath us. We both hit the ground. I, I landed with my feet first, and then on my butt. I got the wind knocked out of me. I was stunned and frozen with shock. I couldn't believe that I was even alive. I felt pain all over, and it was hard to breathe at first. My lower back was exploding with pain, and I knew something was very wrong. My dad and I unlinked arms, and he got up. He stood in front of me and told me to breathe. I calmed down, and I caught my breath. I'd never felt this much pain in my life. I pushed from my arms to get up, but my legs didn't push me up. I waited another minute, assuming my body was still in shock. I tried again. Instead of pushing me off the ground, my legs just flopped over in front of me like a pretzel, and I could barely move them. I wasn't going to be able to hike out. We tried calling 911, but we were so deep in the mountains that we had no cell service. My dad carried me over to a big flat dry rock in the shade and helped me move to a bearable position with the least amount of pain. Then my dad had to do the hardest thing he ever wanted to do in this situation. He had to leave me. But we both knew that it was necessary to get help. So after crying and praying with me, my dad began to hike out as fast as he could on a broken ankle. My dad is my hero. I was now alone. For a while, all I was aware of was my physical pain. I could feel my heartbeat rising, and I couldn't relax. I decided to yell. I yelled a prayer out loud, and I only said four words. God, I need you. I yelled these words over and over again out loud. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. This was the most raw and honest prayer that I've ever prayed. I needed God. I needed God to keep me alive. I needed God to keep my dad from injuring himself further, from not being able to get us help. I needed God to direct the search and rescue team to find me. And I needed God to comfort me as I lay here alone, unable to move. I needed God more than anything in this moment. I don't know how much time went by. It could have been an hour, it could have been five hours. Um, And then I heard the most beautiful sound in the world, a helicopter. I was being rescued, and I was going to be okay. This meant that my dad made it out. He is okay, And it can only go uphill from here. I was airlifted out of the helicopter, and I was rushed to the ICU. Um, The ICU is the intensive critical care unit. It's not the one you want to be in. Um, It's the worst of the worst. Uh, I had experienced a compression fracture in my spine. I have a picture of one of my x-rays. It's pretty gnarly. Um, That's what my back looks like now. (laughs) So my L1 vertebrae, it got smashed and damaged my spinal cord, which caused me to lose all function of my body from the waist down. You guys can see it's that vertebrae that's in between all the screws. Just gets squished like a marshmallow. Um, I had a five-hour spinal surgery done where a neurosurgeon reconstructed my spine using eight screws and two rods to stabilize my spine. Before I went under, the neurosurgeon said that the surgery would prevent me from losing any more movement in my legs. When he said this, my heart sank in my chest. The surgery was only going to help me from losing more movement. I wasn't going to wake up from this surgery with the leg strength that I had yesterday. It wasn't I wasn't going to be able to move my legs any more than I could in this moment, which was barely anything at all. I had and I still have an incomplete L1 spinal cord injury. The spinal cord is how the brain communicates to the body to move and function. And when the spinal cord is damaged, that connection is severely damaged. Um, Next, I have some photos from the hospital and this crazy journey. Um, This was just the beginning of my journey. So after being in the ICU for 11 days, I was transferred to a physical rehab center for a month where I started to slowly regain strength in my legs. I experienced so many emotions, sadness, frustration, confusion, anger, impatience, fear, that's me and my dad. Um, I was asking myself, will I ever be able to walk again? Will I be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life? Will I even be able to finish school? Will I be able to work? Will I ever even live independently? I was so in the unknown. This was the beginning of the hardest year of my life, but it was also the most rewarding, life transformative, and rich year of my life. Through the strength of the Lord, hours of physical therapy, and so much support from loved ones, in just one year, I went from using a wheelchair to a walker, then two canes, to one cane, and now nothing. You guys are looking at a walking miracle. So although my hiking accident brought a lot of hardship to me and my family, God has been able to use it for more good than anything. I can say with confidence that I would not change what happened that day of my accident. Now, if I could snap my fingers right now and not have a spinal cord injury, I would absolutely do that. But I wouldn't erase everything from the last two and a half years of my life. I wouldn't have the faith I have today, I wouldn't have met some of the most amazing people with spinal cord injuries that have their own testimonies just like mine. And I wouldn't have ended up here in HSM. I want to share one way that I have grown from this trial. So rewind back to the second night in the hospital, I was replaying what had just happened to me. I was thinking about my dad and what he had done for me, the different sacrifices he made. He didn't let go when I slipped. He carried me on his back to a dry rock with a broken ankle and he hiked out on his broken ankle to get me help. My dad did everything he could to keep me alive. I thought to myself, wow, nobody loves me more than my dad. And then I thought, well, wait, there is one person that loves me more, and that is my heavenly father. I then started yelling at God in my head, saying, are you kidding me, God? Did you not just see what my dad did for me? The physical pain that he went through, the emotional pain he went through to help me, Nobody loves me more than my dad. And then, after a few minutes, I put the pieces together. My dad loves me so much that he would do anything to keep me alive. Yet, my heavenly father loves me so much more that he would allow his son to die. Suddenly, the gospel became so much more real for me. By seeing the sacrifices my dad made for me that day, I understood how much he really loves me as his daughter. I also understood the true sacrifice it was for our heavenly father to allow his one and only son to die. Now, no matter what your relationship with your dad looks like, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's non-existent, hear me say this. God loves you more than anyone on this earth does, and he allowed his son to die in your place. That is the biggest act of love ever. It was Jesus dying on the cross. Since my accident, I've never taken the gospel for granted And I now understand how much God loves me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the reality of this type of injury is that it's not the type where I can just wear a cast for nine weeks, take it off, and then be walking and doing fine. Um, My nervous system was affected, and I face physical struggles every single day of my life. Some of um, our panelists can relate to this statement, and you'll hear from them very soon. Me specifically, I still have a lot of muscle weakness. Um, this is kind of something cool, but I can't feel temperature in my feet, and I also can't feel pain in my feet. So I can walk in snow, <laughs> <laughs> and you can't. OK. Uh, was it worth it? I don't know. but. Oh well. <laughs> Uh, Because of my health issues, okay, wait, short story also, since I can't feel pain in my feet, um, this one time I was walking in the kitchen, and I, like, sliced my foot on the whatever ground, and I didn't notice, and I left this, like, trail of blood around my kitchen, and my dad comes into the kitchen, he's like, what happened, and I was like, what, and I looked down, I was like, oh, yikes, (laughs) so that was the first time I figured that out, I was like, oh, I didn't even feel that, so, anyways, So uh, because my health issues are consistent, it's really nice when friends and family check in on me. And when they simply ask how my health is, how I'm doing, um, and they just listen. My personal best advice on how we can support someone with health issues is showing love by just listening. Also, showing up. If you guys have a friend or a family member that is in the hospital for something, visit them. Do it. It means the absolute world. I remember every single person who came and visited me in the hospital, some of them were close friends, and some of them I barely knew. I was shocked that they were there. Um, I couldn't tell you anything that most of them said to me, probably because I was on a lot of pain meds. But I remember that they showed up, and that's what's most important. Now I want to talk about trauma. So usually when a traumatic event happens to somebody, one of two things will happen. Either you remember everything, or you remember little to nothing. For me, I remember every single detail. I was conscious and awake for everything, for all of it. And for weeks, every time I closed my eyes, I would just see myself falling. I was just replaying what had happened in my mind. And it would bring, back, it would bring me back to the event, whether I liked it or not, whether I wanted it to happen or not. Other times when a person experiences trauma, specifically at a younger age, your brain tries to protect you so you remember little to nothing from that traumatic event. And oftentimes, smaller memories will come back to you as you grow older. There's also secondhand trauma, and this is witnessing trauma by someone close or by a loved one. Uh, my sister, my brother, and mom experienced a lot of secondhand trauma themselves, and they had to work through a lot of emotions, um, tough conversations, Even life changes from me and my dad's accident. So when something traumatic happens to us or somebody we know, what should we do? Again, trauma is any experience that exceeds the ability for the individual to process on their own. Shout out to Dana for that definition. My encouragement for anyone who has had a traumatic event, big or small, is this. Talk about it. Open up about it. The more I was able to talk about my experience, the less control that my trauma had over me. Even sharing here tonight is a huge deal for me. I've never shared my story in front of these many people before. I have authority over my trauma and I can use it to help others experiencing trauma. Ooh, that was nice. If I hid my trauma and stuffed it down, I wouldn't have been able to move past it. I wouldn't have control over it, and I wouldn't have been able to heal over it, heal from it. One of my favorite metaphors is bringing wounds out of the dark and into the light so it can heal. Trauma is a wound, whether it is a fresh or old trauma from your childhood. We need to seek healing by bringing it into the light. Uh, I'm gonna wrap up with this quote from Tanel Jones. She is an amazing therapist. She's a professional um, that you can have a free session with. Her information is on your guys' handouts. Um, This is the quote. When you have physical trauma, so a cut, injury, something big, you see blood, you put a Band-Aid on it, you see a scab, and then a scar. You see the progress of physical trauma healing, but it is hard to visualize emotional or relational trauma healing. So I would encourage you to find a trusted adult, such as your life group leaders, they're always available for you, to be open with them. It is a slow healing, but God will be with you every step of the way. He hasn't left my side. Thanks for listening to my story.
2: Oh, thank you. So, so sorry, you guys. So, loud. Thank you so much, Haley, for sharing your story. And right now, our panelists are going to come on up. Thank you, Mackie, for helping with the stools. And right now, wherever you are, students and leaders, get out your phone right now. The only time you ever hear us say that here at HSM, get out your phone. The number is on the screen. Go ahead and text in any questions that you have about tonight's topic, which, again, is trauma. And health-related issues. And we recognize that those are really big topics. And people might experience trauma and/or health-related issues in really diverse ways. And kind of Haley shared that, like whatever, whatever maybe you might be walking through, or someone you know, big or small. And so I'm really excited to invite up with Haley the rest of our panel. We have two special guests and one of our very own life group leaders. And so we're gonna start by just giving our panel, every one of our panelists, just a brief minute. Um, Johnny, one of our amazing life group leaders, shout out to Johnny, woot woot. (laughs) And Chanel are going to share um, just a little bit about some of their direct experience with uh, some health related issues in particular. And Dana, who got a few shout outs in Haley's story, um, is going to be sharing a little bit about her work, her expertise, and how she might be able to really speak into tonight's topic. So let's start with Johnny.
3: Hello, my name is Johnny. Um, First off, I'll start why I'm up here. So I'm actually type 1 diabetic, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's When your body does not really create an adequate enough amount of insulin to create itself so basically my pancreas said peace out at 16. Um, so that's why i'm up here Um, i was actually in hsm when that happened so Mm. yeah it's cool getting to be back here and being up here for that
2: we love you johnny thank you Chanel, yeah guys, I'm gonna say guys Chanel is super cool, but she doesn't think she's super cool So everyone h H&M, can we just say what's up Chanel on three? One, two, three. What's up, Chanel? Yeet! <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, Laura, I hope you recorded that.
0: <laughs> that was a lot. All right, Chanel, you have the floor. Yes, I am Chanel. Um, I grew up just kind of always being sick, um, always feeling sick, always feeling nauseous. Um, then fast forward, get pregnant, and then I get really, really sick, get hospitalized, don't know what's going on, and then I have the baby, and then I get sicker, and it doesn't get any better. And I'm in and out of the hospital. Long story short, um, I get diagnosed finally uh, with Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune um, disease. It's basically really broad, anything in your gastrointestinal tract. So yeah, so my health-related issue um, can never get fixed. So it's just kind of managing life, feeling sick every day,
2: and some days are better than others. Thanks, Chanel. And then Dana, you want to introduce yourself to the HSM family and share a little bit about what you do and maybe how I think your expertise is going to be so helpful for us.
4: Yeah, and thanks again for inviting me. So my name is Dana Garrett, and I work for Justice for Youth, which is a nonprofit organization here in Pomona that serves youth. So uh, I am the training and development supervisor for the organization. And I do specialize in trauma-informed training and um, trauma-informed care. So I'll be sharing a little bit um, from that angle tonight. Um, I also do want to share that I, uh, with both of my pregnancies, I had um, got diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And now I just officially got The type 2 diabetes diagnosis yeah so 70% of women who get gestational diabetes get type 2 diabetes and um, so I I'm starting to have a little bit of story with with that health related issues as well but again thanks for having me
2: Thank you so much, Dana. All right, you all, you all of you, students and leaders, are texting in amazing questions, and our first one, we're just like getting right into it. So I want to throw this to um, maybe particularly Johnny and Chanel and um, Haley. You can you can share as well, but we have this really raw and honest question. Um, thank you, thank you, students. You you blow me away every time with your bravery. But we have a question asking as you were experiencing your, um, health related issue or trauma, did you ever question whether God was still good and, and what helped you process that?
3: So for that, um, I was actually in a really good spot spiritually whenever I was diagnosed. Um, don't get me wrong. I was really angry. Um, I had all my life dreams planned out. Um, and I had a set plan of what I was gonna do, and then um, when that happened, it kinda got all thrown away, so I had to re-figure out what I was gonna do with my life. Um, But at that point, I was angry, um, but I understood that no matter what, um, God was gonna use me for whatever his glory was. I still don't know what that is to this day, but I got faith that it's gonna show up someday where I'm gonna click, and it'll be right there what I was supposed to do.
2: Johnny. Yeah,
0: not me. I was pissed. <laughs> I was mad, um, especially because there's no end in sight. And so um, I did the really good Christian thing, which is pray. And then hope that it eventually will go away. And then when my prayers didn't work, I had other people pray for me. And I had pastors pray for me. And God kept on saying no. And I feel like every time God said no, I would get more mad. Like, but why? Because this sucks. Um, so it was It was actually a couple years of really just like wrestling, knowing, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, God's in control. You know God's good. but. But, yeah, no, I was, I was mad, and I was wrestling with it. And then finally when he said no, I was like, okay, fine. And then I was kind of able to move on just by accepting it, not saying, like, oh, this is good, oh, I love this, like, cool, God, you can use this, but I'd rather not have this <laughs> to deal with every day.
2: So, um, yeah. Thanks, Chanel. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like sometimes... Um, it- Especially when we walk through something challenging, sometimes there's like a, well, God is good. And we kind of just like slap it on like a Band-Aid. But I think to be really, God wants our real selves and those raw and honest prayers. And just like you shared, Haley, like, God, I need you. Like, he, he desires that. So thank you both for sharing. Haley, was there anything that you wanted to add? Or Okay, awesome. All right, let's, Um, I think Dana and Haley, let's give the, this question to you. This is an awesome question asking, how do I avoid being insensitive when interacting with someone who has experienced trauma? And if I do say something
4: insensitive, how can I
2: mend that? I love these questions.
4: That's a great question. And just asking that question already shows a level of compassion that you have for um, the people in your life you know, so that's, you're already off to a great start. So just the way to avoid being insensitive is, um, you know, sometimes there's, there's phrases, and I don't know if we've heard of like toxic positivity before, right? Or there's phrases like, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, people who have experienced trauma, that's, uh, that's not what we want to hear (laughs) and those moments, right, especially if we're already feeling that anger and and those those other emotions going on, right, so um, the best thing that I would suggest is what Haley said um, when she was sharing her story is just show up and listen, Mm -hmm. just show up and listen, and just the words, you know, I'm here for you, that's enough, right, we don't want to try to solve, we don't want to try to fix, that's, Um, as loved ones, that's not our job, but to show up for them, I think that's what's most important.
2: Mm, That's so good. Thank you, Dana. Haley?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I'm a hard, it's hard for me to answer this question because I have really thick skin and a lot of things that are insensitive go right over my head. (laughs) Um, (laughs) or like, I, I love, I don't know if I can say this out loud, but when I was in a wheelchair, I loved like wheelchair memes. (laughs) And I was like, yo, these are hilarious. And I'd like send them to all my friends with wheelchairs. And they're like, eh, LOL. <laughs> but like we can laugh about it, right? Like if anyone can laugh about it, we can. Um, so if you have any good ones, send them to me. But uh, yeah, listening is really good. I think, but at the same time, when it comes to making jokes, like watch your tongue, you know, watch where your place is. You know, I had, I've had some terrible things said to me I remember when I was I was just like wheeling out, doing my life, you know, in my wheelchair. And this guy walks by, and he's like, "Oh, it's not fair! You get to sit in that chair, and I gotta walk." I was like, oh, "You want to switch places? Like, wow! Like, jerk! Like, I don't even know your name, you know?" So just be maybe cautious with the jokes, but yeah. But at the same time, I love them, so I don't know. I'm like, I'm gonna give you the mic. <laughs> listen. Listen, that's a good. <laughs> We love you, Haley. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Thank you, thank
2: you. Thank you, guys. And um, I'm going to, this next question is kind of related to that one, um, and I'm going to throw this one to Chanel and Johnny. Um, But we have quite a lot of questions talking about close family members who have cancer or maybe are experiencing um, some other really serious health issue. And we just have a lot of questions from students asking What made, as as you're walking through your health issue, what makes you feel most loved and how can family and friends best um, walk with you through that? Maybe in addition to listening. I feel like that's a great theme that we've had so far.
0: Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think living with something chronic... um, you're not really gonna understand the pain all the time or um, the highs and the lows, the emotions. It can be really good one day or for a week or for a month or for months, and then all of a sudden it can go down. So I think just um, realizing that the emotions can come in and out and just being really understanding of that, of the good days and the bad days and sometimes the bad months. Um, and I would say, I mean, listening, but honestly, just being there. I think being a person that's sick, you, you tend to not want to say you're sick anymore because you get so tired of constantly being like, oh, I'm sick again. Like, sorry. So so that's the, the person that's sick might not feel as open to like one, wanting to constantly say like, oh, I'm not feeling good. But so just kind of like pick up on the cues, just encourage them. And don't forget that it's not going to go away. Like, this is going to change their life. This changes their every day, sometimes their every hour. Um, So just as encouraging and understanding you can be, um, I think is awesome.
2: Mm. Thanks, Chanel.
3: I'm kind of touching on the highs and lows of it. um, Sometimes when it gets really bad, you can get in your own head and you start going through that mentality of like, man, this really sucks. Like, Mm -hmm. this is never going to go away. And, um, And we know sometimes it can be inconvenient. Um, Mm. And so for us, we can feel guilt from that aspect as well. But yeah, honestly, just being there, being patient, understanding that even though we may not express on the outside that it's hard, um, Mm. we're still going through that internal struggle of, like, what do I do? Mm. Um, Yeah, that's what I would say, is Mm. just being there, being patient. Hmm. understanding that there's a lot under the surface um, besides just all right let's deal with it
1: Hmm. thank you
2: johnny that's so good i'm gonna throw this next question to starting with dana um, and then maybe a couple others might want to share but um, again i just want to thank you students for being so real and honest, I mean, that's part of what makes this HSM family a family and a close community. And I just wanna remind us all that this is a safe place to ask any question, to, to, be, to share what's really on your heart. And so um, we, have this, we have this question coming in from a student that shares trauma is something deep and personal. My best friend recently took his life and he was 17. What advice do you have? <laughs> sorry, so much. Um, what advice do you have as I work to process this?
4: Um. First off, I'm I'm so sorry. You know, for your loss. I'm so sorry for anyone that has to experience the loss of a friend, especially at <clears throat> at such a young age. And um, my advice that I have for you know um, processing through this is to give yourself some grace and give yourself time. Um, knowing that it's, it's okay to not be okay. Um, this is that, that secondhand trauma that was mentioned earlier, right? So yes, something happened to your friends, but you're going through something too, right? Um, so just being, just being aware of that, acknowledging that, And allowing yourself to go through that journey. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, you know, uh, we we might try to repress our feelings, and um, they might go away for a little bit, but they come back. Mm -hmm. They'll they'll come back and they'll pop up later. Right? Um, It's something that it's going to have to be dealt with at some point. So when you're ready, you know, start that process. Start that journey. Start dealing with it. Open up to someone close to you. Um, Open up to a safe person that you have, uh, uh, especially a safe adult if you have one. I'm sure everyone in the room has a safe adult, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Open up. You all have amazing leaders that love you.
2: We're here for you. Yes. Thank you, Dana.
4: Yeah, open up to a safe adult. Um, this is something this this is a big thing this is a big deal Um, this is something that we don't want to take this walk alone and we don't have to Um, we never have to take these kinds of journeys by ourselves right so yes we have some things that we can work through on our own in you know solitude and with our thoughts and our prayers but open up and lean on those around you you have plenty of people that can support you and um, you have me now too, so <laughs> if anyone wants to reach out to me, um, I'm more than happy to share my contact information.
2: Thank you, Dana. Really appreciate that. Haley, please.
1: Yeah, um, suicide's very close to my family's heart and our, our family story, um, so I just want you to know two things. One, you are not a burden, to be bringing this up to someone, whether that's an adult or a friend, of how you're feeling because you're hurting so much. So know that you are not a burden. And two, know that there is nothing you could have done to change the situation. As much as you may blame yourself, it's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done to, to change what happened. So, but definitely bring it up and talk it to somebody about it. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to wrap up our panel tonight. Haley, if you want to keep the mic, I just want to give all of our panelists an opportunity to take a minute to share any final thought, anything that's on your heart, if there's a Bible verse that you want to share with our HSM family or just a final thought before our students head out to life groups. And we'll go Haley and then finish with Dana. Sorry to put you on the spot. (laughs) Yeah, how about, how about we start with Dana and then, and then end with like her. I said so
4: much tonight, <laughs> I don't
2: know. Yeah, Dana, Dana's ready to start.
4: Um, the, the last thing I just want to leave with you all about trauma specifically is um, trauma has a way of staying with us. Um, sometimes, you know, the, the journey of healing and processing through, dra- through trauma is not linear. There's gonna be waves and it's gonna go up and down and up and down. Um, one thing that I I want to say is when you are in those moments of you're feeling down, um, that's when it's time. To, that's when it's the hardest to reach out, but that's when it's time to reach out. When you start hitting those those downs, right? You don't want to spiral and where it goes further down and down and down. Um, If I were to share a scripture um, for this situation, I would go with Mark 439, which is peace be still, right? When uh, they were on the boat, crazy storm, waves, everything is going on, very turbulent, disciples are freaking out, and they call on Jesus for help. Peace be still, and he calmed the whole storm. Right. So when we're in the midst of that storm of you know processing through our trauma and we hit those lows and those waves, um, we have that option to call on Jesus always, Mm -hmm. and to ask him to you know calm this storm that we're in. Mm -hmm. Right. And these storms, um, they can be they're they're temporary. Right. They're gonna have their highs and lows. So that can help us. Mm. Thank you, Dana.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Chanel. Um, what I
0: would say is with health, you know, it says God will never give you anything more than you can handle. But he also doesn't say it's going to be easy, or it's not going to be something that you're not going to struggle with. So um, I think just dealing with health issues, um, there's a reason that he doesn't give us more than we can handle. That's because you absolutely need him in those times when you don't have the strength, when you're like Haley and you're just praying and saying, I need you, when you can't eat for a week and you can't function. like There are times where you just need God's strength, um, and I guarantee he will show up every time because he always does, and he doesn't always heal us, and he doesn't always take away the pain, but he always walks through it with us, and once you walk through it, you always come out stronger, so um, that would just be what I'd
2: end with. Thanks, Chanel. Uh,
3: What I would just leave with is, um, you know, no matter what you're going through, Uh, I know it's super cliche, God is always with you Um, I I actually got my first tattoo when I was 17 and um, it's Joshua 1 9, I think it's like be strong and courageous, do not be frightened or dismayed Um, and so when you have a lot of uncertainties in your life, um, God is always going to be that constant, I mean book's been around for a long time and it still applies today, so um, scripture, huge thing Um, reading through it God will find his way to speak through it with you. Doesn't matter what page you're on, what book you're in, open it up, read it, it can apply, I promise you. Um, But yeah, other than that, another thing I wanna touch on is it's okay not to be okay. Um, Trauma is something that we go through in life. It's kind of, un. there's no way to go through life without at least a little bit of it, so it's okay to go through that trauma it's okay to process it. You don't have to be 100% all the time.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks.
1: Um, what I would leave you guys with is when trials come, not if, when, um, don't let yourself get stuck in the victim mindset. I think for me, it could have been so easy to just play the victim and make everyone feel sorry for me and sad of what I'm going through, Um, but it's a really big mental challenge of, okay, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to end up on top of this, Um, whether it's constant, you know, for us three up here, you know, we're struggling with something for the rest of our lives, but... It's not going to define who I am. I'm not going to sit and just be this sad person. Sure, I have sad nights. I cry all the time. Like, it sucks. But at the end of the day, it's making me stronger. Um, so I would just encourage you guys when trials come, you know, definitely be sad and, like, in, uh, what's the word? Like, yeah. embrace those emotions, yes. But don't get stuck in those emotions for too long But remember, okay, like, I can use this for good. I can use this to glorify God. And I can grow and be a stronger follower of Jesus because of these trials. Thank you, Haley. Can we thank all of our
2: panelists for joining us tonight? Thank you so much. HSM loves you guys, and you're welcome anytime. I mean, Haley and Johnny, you're kind of stuck here, but (laughs) Sean and Dana, come anytime. (laughs) Um, all right, students, we talked about a lot tonight. You Right now, everyone is going to head to life groups and you'll get time to process. But before you go, I just want to say that as you are maybe starting to open up, as there's something stirring on your heart that God is asking you to share with someone tonight. I also want everyone to pull out their their sermon notes that were on their chairs, on your chairs. There are resources here that are updated every crisis night. We never want to leave you ill-equipped without a next step. And so be sure to check these out and encourage you all to take a next step tonight, however that might look like for you. All right, students, we love you. Head to your life group. If you're brand new and you don't know where you're going, Come find us on stage and we'll get you plugged in. We love you guys.